This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Digital Health Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Neil Chawla, the Chief Medical Information Officer of Wake Med in North Carolina. Dr. Chawla, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Hey, thanks, Laura. I appreciate being here. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about in terms of technology and some of the exciting things happening in health IT, but before we dive into that discussion, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. So I've been the Chief Medical Information Officer here at WakeMed for close to four and a half years now, um, where I oversee a lot of our clinical informatics um, initiatives and programs, as well as oversee our, our data analytics team, as well as co-lead our clinical transformation initiatives, among some other things. Um, prior to here, I was in the Fairfax, Virginia area, where I was the uh, Associate Chief Medical Information Officer for a large system for uh, close to 12 years I was there, and, you know, partially as a clinical emergency medicine physician, as well as um, helping to lead their transition from paper over to, tech, over to uh, electronic medical records. And then I've been here for the past four years. Excellent. Wow. And, you know, when you think about starting off kind of leading that transition from paper to medical records to now what digital transformation looks like, what has that journey been like? Yeah, it's really been an amazing journey and something I definitely was never part of a grand plan and something I never saw fully coming. I think, you know, it was funny in residency, I uh, was, you know, we, we did an initial move from paper to electronic records in our emergency department, not for the full hospital. So I was definitely around for the best of breed EMR days and remember being one of the first people in our in that hospital system to try to pull data from a electronic system. And it was pretty interesting and challenging and clunky, as you can imagine. Um, but man, watching from there move to maturing best of breed systems and then seeing meaningful use come in and most health systems across the country move into larger integrated records at a less mature state. It's just been, uh, it's been fascinating just to watch the whole, to watch and be part of that whole transformation. And especially to now where we are, where, you know, the majority of the country is electronic and we're trying to figure out how do we best leverage these systems to better take care of patients and improve outcomes. So that's yeah, been fascinating. Absolutely. So what are you most excited about right now? So I am really enjoying co-leading our clinical transformation programs here at WakeMed, where, you know, now that we are live on our EHR, we're stable, we've been optimizing and trying to create better and more efficient workflows, we're, we've really started to take a focus on data, but from a vision of can we or how do we best improve patient outcomes and really trying to build better pathways with our electronic systems and work with our clinical teams uh, to really to really watch the data and see if we're able to improve patient outcomes and have lower mortalities and length of stays and give less opioids and really try to enable our patients to live lives as best as they can in a very deliberate and measurable way. That makes sense. And, you know, it's so interesting to think about all the different things that you can do once you've gotten that transformation in place. When you think about your team and the different clinicians you're working with, whether it's physicians, nurses, or other providers, how do you make sure everybody is on board and really feels comfortable and confident with the technology and digital applications that you have so that you're using them to benefit the patients to the best of their abilities? 
Yeah, that's a great question, Laura. And it's definitely one that it takes time and it's not quick. It's a little slower. And a lot of it is there's some culture change involved. But really, we are trying to get as many people on a team in, in line as possible, kind of, you know, from a engaged on board before we really do a project. You know, I think if we know that if we start a project and folks aren't aligned, we're going to have a much harder time finding success. And, you know, sometimes we can make, we can take our data and make great dashboards, but, you know, our goal is never to make up a, a pretty dashboard. Our goal is to move the needle on patient outcomes. And so we do spend a good amount of time before a lot of projects or in the beginning of a lot of projects where we really focus on making sure our stars are aligned and the folks on the folks on the team are on board with the project and on board with getting folks that aren't at the table on the project. So we really try to communicate and over-communicate with all our stakeholders, knowing that that a lot of that is what's going to make or break a project when we finally go live and try to truly improve care. That makes a lot of sense. And from your perspective, kind of straddling both the clinical as well as the technology side of things, what aspects of healthcare are really primed for IT disruption? You know, um, I'm going to say referrals as one of the areas primed. And I'll say that as, you know, the country slowly moves towards fee for value and we have an increase in population health and ACOs and clinically integrated system net networks, we are sharing patients with networks a lot more and we're not always on the same electronic system, but we're trying to co-manage patients together so they can live as healthy lives as possible. In doing that, you know, referring has been hard between systems. And, you know, sometimes we can use direct addresses. Often we'd use telephones and faxes. And it makes it, it makes it so we can do a little bit of the transactional work, but makes it really hard to really understand the data and, and manage how we, our referral patterns and when, what we're doing. We've got some systems there, and you know they they work in they work differently depending on how they're set up, and especially when we have many many practices with different EMRs that we're working with, it's not always clean. And so, you know, we've been looking for this holy grail that we haven't found yet on how do we best set up a good referral network so we can really see where the referrals are passing through, how much, how often, and really understand those patterns well. And so to us, that's been, that's been a space that seems really ripe for some great IT disruption where, uh, you know, we're, we're, in, we're in a place right now that, you know, is, is making it harder to... Uh, to really understand what's going on with referrals. Got it. That makes a lot of sense, you know, and it's so interesting to think about how important that will be when, as you mentioned, there is more of that transition to value-based care, you know, and an increase in ACOs and patients sharing information and having more control over their information. So really having that streamlined um, referral sources and having that all in one location, it seems like would be extremely beneficial for the health system and healthcare overall. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're looking at the data from almost two angles. So one is the pure transactional, you know, on a patient-by-patient -patient basis. Can we get the referral information from here to, here to there? And then once the patient is seen there, can that information come back from there to here, especially when folks are on different networks? 
And then, you know, the second layer of of data is really the analytics. So we know how much, how often, how fast patients are getting seen, and can we tie this to their outcomes and improve their outcomes. And so those are the two levels that we're looking at from data standpoint. And it seems even the first level of data, it's only partially there. So it feels like we have a long way to go to really understand referrals and get patients seen where they need to be seen as quickly as they need to be seen. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And and really, thank you so much for going through that with us. Now, when you're looking ahead, what are some of the top challenges that you're preparing for over the next year or two? That's a great question, too. I'll I'll tell you at least a couple of the challenges that we are, that we have started heading down pathways of. Uh, I'll I'll talk about three, maybe. So number one, I'm going to say real-time and near-real-time communication. I think that we've got great platforms now for EHRs, but now getting the level on top of that to the non-medically documented care, but a lot of the phone calls and pagers and text messages, there's many different ways to communicate and trying to get that all together in one integrated way so that we're able to get to the right person we need at, at the time we need to or really close to it is hard. And, you know, that could be physicians, nurses, pharmacists, case managers, you name it, getting us all to be able to communicate with each other in an easiest possible way is definitely a challenge, but yet a project we're going to be working on for definitely the next two years, if not beyond. A second project I'll call out is population health. And really what we're trying to do over the next year and two years and beyond probably is really get the right infrastructure there so that we have both the operations and the tech to work together so that we are able to manage populations of patients in that fee-for-value world. So we are actively preparing for that right now, even though, you know, as the transition has already begun to happen. So that's definitely a second challenge and something that we're down the pathway on. And I'd say a third challenge that we're, again, stepping down the pathway of is trying to figure out predictive analytics and really how we move from reactive to proactive with data. And that's that's been a challenging one uh, to try to figure out what are the algorithms we need, how can we make them not only represent our patients and population, but learn and grow, and then can we figure out the right interventions that we're able to actually put into place so that we, you know, and then bring it back to clinical transformation can we do all that and then monitor, is this, are these things truly helping our patients live better lives? And so really trying to measure that end piece in the end. Um, again, we haven't totally figured it out yet, but those are probably three of the challenges that we are down the road on and think we'll be hopefully a lot further down the road in two years, but see them as long-term challenges. Absolutely. I think that's a great point all the way across the board from some of those um, integrated communications, the real-time, near-real-time communication, and then thinking about population health infrastructure and predictive analytics, and especially for those last two, you know, population health and and predictive analytics. um, What types of skill sets do you see rising or elevating to being really important as you kind of realize this dream of a healthcare system that's focused on population health and is really data-driven? Are there areas that you're seeing elevated now, or are there particular um, skill sets that you think you'll need more of in the future? 
I'm imagining, are, are, you, are you speaking more from a tech perspective or an operational perspective or a bit of both? Yeah, a bit of both, I think, and especially to looking at the clinical side of things and wondering, you know, for um, clinical leaders in particular, if they have an interest in, in some of these areas, um, you know, what it takes in order to figure out how to um, become part of these initiatives within their organizations. Yeah, I, I think I got you. And it, it's a great question. So I think from from a perspective of the people and skill sets, I think from Pop Health, you know, we are in the early early stages of growing a care management team, you know, so that we're able to really watch, monitor, track, and intervene on patients while they're home. Um, you know, I think, you know, kind of before the EHR days, you know, our only opportunity to in- interact with a lot of patients was when they were in the office to see us. And so now we need to really grow our ability to, to take care of them when they're not with us. And so I think, you know, growing that care manager skill set is definitely going to be leading us towards, you know, remote patient monitoring and, you know, having patients do a lot of their own things at home, you know, with blood pressures and, you know, weighing scales and and glucoses and, and beyond. So I think those are, I think those are going to be some of the pop health um, skill sets we need. I think, you know, as, as I talk about remote patient monitoring and even, you know, from the early pandemic days of moving towards um, telemedicine, we're, we have a lot more tech that is patient-facing, yet we don't always have the easy tech support that is patient-facing. So, you know, early in the pandemic, I remember when we were, we, along with everyone else, was just getting going with, with telemedicine and, and video visits, you know, we we forced our, you know, inadvertently, I'd say, forced our, our clinics to become tech support to the patients on this brand new technology that they were just learning to. And that was pretty hard. And, you know, we see this as patients are going to start buying devices that they want to connect and send data to us. They're going to run into tech issues as well. And so figuring out how we provide good patient-facing tech support is definitely going to be a, a skill set we need down the road. And I think a, a third one, you know, clearly as we move into more complex data analytics, I think, you know, looking at data science and what kind of skill sets we need to be able to really interpret to interpret the data well that we have and what types of statistical skill sets we're going to need to really, again, deliver the best care possible to patients and have the best algorithms that can guide us as, as, as well as possible. I think those are going to be some of the newer skill sets that we are not fully mature on today that we'll need a bit down the road. That makes a lot of sense. Well, Dr. Chawla, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fascinating discussion and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. You got it, Laura. Appreciate your time.